A reading from When the Soul Listens, Finding Rest and Direction in Contemplative Prayer by Jan Johnson. Contemplative prayer is not necessarily a way to hear God, but a way to pay attention to God and enjoy God's companionship. It's rarely dramatic. Sometimes something will come to you and other times not. Especially in the context of Alexio Divina, you may indeed hear God address you practically and personally. In that case, you won't hear anything that contradicts either the letter or the spirit of the Word of God. In fact, what you sense will not only line up with the Word of God, but will often make what you already know more clear and down to earth than before. We often come away from contemplative prayer having sensed the wisdom of the good life in God and wanting more of it. Many times I've gone into such prayer not wanting to go the extra mile, let someone off the hook, or stop grabbing the credit. But God helps me move in that direction. I think this is because the process of contemplative prayer is one of surrender. We quiet ourselves and simply enjoy God's presence. Heartlifters, I'm so happy to bring you this conversation with one of my spiritual giants, Jan Johnson. I began reading the writing and teachings of Jan in the mid-90s, late 90s, beginning with articles that she wrote in a beautiful, powerful magazine that I just digested immediately when it came out called Discipleship Journal. And then I read her beautiful book, Enjoying the Presence of God, and then Living a Purposeful Life. I just ate all of her words and just couldn't get enough. So to have her here on this show is just really more than I can possibly bear, as you can tell in the interview, because I am so happy, so overjoyed, and trying so hard to focus and engage with Jan while I'm trying to take notes as well, because it's it's just a privilege to have her here with us. Jan is the author of 23 books, probably over hundreds of magazine articles. She's a spiritual director, she's an adjunct professor, and she is co-lead instructor for Dallas Willard's School of Kingdom Living. In part two of our conversation, I talked to Jan about her relationship with Dallas Willard, and it's so engaging and so enlivening, and you are just going to uh, enjoy it so much. So without further ado, I bring you Jan Johnson, and I just encourage you to get out your notebook and a pen because I do believe you're going to take copious notes about contemplative prayer. What is it? How do we invite that beautiful rhythm of contemplative prayer into our everyday lives? And Jan talks extensively in this interview about the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful, it's authentic, it's freeing, and most of all, it's heart-lifting. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, 
we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello, and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. Heartlifters, man, we are welcoming to the show today one of my early heroes in the faith, early mentors, Jan Johnson. Jan, it truly, truly is an honor to have you sitting here. I'm, I'm, I'm just beside myself. <laughs> so grateful. Thank you for being here. <laughs> you are welcome, and it's good to be here with you. So I've already given your laurels and all of the reasons that I love you so much. And so everyone is informed. But one of the primary ways that I I early on connected to you and to your writing particularly was through the magazine Discipleship Journal. Mm-hmm. And um, you said you wrote for it a lot. And I'm like, I, I have probably, and I if I hadn't been uh, multitasking, like I said, I'm planning for a trip tomorrow morning. Um, they're still in a, a folder that says articles to keep. And I go back to them all the time because you are a, a writer like no other. And you really are. And I just wanted to be a writer at that time. And I wanted to really be a follower of Jesus more than anything, but wanted to combine those two giftings and felt called. And so keep writing, please. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I'm sure I need to hear that. Okay. Jan, I wanted to have you on because in Season 10, Episode 2, Every Day in the Secret Place, I read a great portion of your beautiful article from Conversations Journal, What Happens in Solitude? And I wanted you to help us understand the vitality of the contemplative practices. That's a huge part of what we're doing here in Season 10. And help us really grasp what contemplative prayer is and help us understand how to create the rhythm of contemplative prayer into our everyday lives. I can't think of anyone I would rather have share with this community about contemplative prayer than you, Jan. It is such a joy to have you here. How did you begin your journey down this path of writing about stillness, silence, solitude, the quiet place, the secret place? Well, I sort of backed into it. My life wasn't going as I expected. Hmm. And there were a lot of difficulties. And I had, Janelle, the coolest prayer notebook. Oh, I want it. Do you have it? (laughs) Well, you know, it was the Acts Method. And each section had all of this stuff in there for me to do. Mm -hmm. And and so I was going through this. And I think the request section, of course, had like 17 pages or something. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I was going through a really rough patch. And I picked up my precious prayer notebook and I chucked it across the room and said, what if we just talked? Oh, my God. I love that. I love that so much. You just gave us all of exhale. (laughs) Those of us who have been so frustrated. Okay. (laughs) And, and so that, that's what we did. And one of my favorite metaphors about this is 
let's let's think back now to our young days you know mm, we're you dating, and let's say that um this handsome guy comes to the door and you answer the door for this date and he says to you here is the script for the perfect date i want you to follow this mm. now what would you have said to him I probably would have just laughed. I don't know, like whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, we would look at him and think, "What uh, is wrong with you?" Yeah, you know, this isn't what a date is. It's not about being perfect. It's mm-hmm. this is about getting to know each other. This is about sharing interests. This is about sharing life. And and you know, and I don't know. I just I I would have been so <laughs> turned off. See you later. That is pretty much what we do with God every day. Mm -hmm. We have our own agenda. We're going to um, this fabulous prayer notebook. Yes. We have a fabulous reading schedule. So many out there now. We have to get through. And it's so important to get to the bottom of the page. (laughs) And so there's all this sort of performance stuff Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that prayer has become. And then we wonder why we don't sense God's presence, why we don't get anything out of it. Well, we've just been taught or or picked up the idea that it's much more about getting all these things done. And yes, checklist. Sort of, yes. Mm-hmm. And checklist spirituality. And we're very hooked on the Benjamin mm. idea where you put your coins of faith in that little slot. I mean, these people your listeners are are spending some time to listen to a podcast. Wow. That's, that's, that's a coin. That's a coin. Yes, it is. That's a check. And then their hands are waiting at the bottom for the goodies to drop and the goodies aren't dropping. They're not, So you know, when they're not listening to your podcast, they're kicking the vending machine and wondering when God's going to deliver the goodies. Oh, that's so good. That mechanical approach to God is just deadly. Hmm. God is relentlessly relational. Oh, that's good. And Hmm. wants to hear from you what's going on, wants you to be able to to ask loads of questions. You mentioned my book, When the Soul Listens. I have a whole chapter just on asking God questions. I know we're going to get there. So excited. That's always a good thing to do. To be able to be with God and sense where is God leading me in this prayer? Where, where is this conversation going? Mm-hmm. And then hmm. a lot of times that it gets led by whatever passage you are reading these days, which I hope you have already asked God about where you need to be in the word. Yeah. And um, because my own practice is that I I'm generally moving through a book but if i wake up and i sense god saying no we're just gonna we're just gonna do psalm 27 today okay and okay that's where i am wow and and i'm not afraid to go over a passage as long as god's leading me to go over it Mm. i'm happy to do the one i did yesterday Mm. and then i want i want to be able to be in it to see what stands out to me and then in my case, I generally write my prayer back to God because otherwise, <laughs> you know, my, 
my mind goes visiting. Yes, it just no. flies away. <laughs> and, and so prayer becomes contemplative mm. because God is the lead dance partner, not mm. me. We aren't following my schedule. And, and you know, just for fun, mm. contemplative mm. means templa means the place where God dwells. Oh, and the yeah. prefix con is with. So you're being with, with God in the place God dwells. Yes. And, oh, beautiful. And if you happen to pronounce it contemplative, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I mess it up all the time. I've practiced a lot like Lexio Divina. Is it Lexio? Oh, yes. Lexia? Yes. <laughs> I've been corrected. Exactly. Just divine reading. So when you, Jan, because I've read... Uh, read articles that you wrote about, you know, how God's leading you. But perhaps we have listeners today that that really don't understand how when you say, I wake up and I feel God leading me to read Psalm 27, perhaps they don't have any idea. You know, I really couldn't wrap my head around it and expose on it. You know, it's like exposit on it. It's still like such a mysterious movement to me that God even wants to encounter me. I just always feel so humbled and grateful for a great God who wants to come down and meet with us. But what does that look like? How would you inform us? You're such a great teacher as well. So teach us. Well, (laughs) just say a bit more about exactly what you're asking, because you know, it's scary to ask me a broad question because it just, is. I'll roll out everything, you know. Okay, you wake up in the morning. Okay. All right. You. We assume you've already kind of assumed. We've assumed that you have a regular practice of opening God's right. Word, and, and is that every day? That's a discipline in a, in your life. Yes. Although you know what, you have days where crazy takes over. Like yes. you may be where I am often. I'm I'm up at three, getting ready to catch the plane. Off yeah, the airport. That's tomorrow on, for me. And on those days, three minutes of leftovers is great. <laughs> no, whatever, whatever comes to me. So um, I guess I generally, you know, God speaks to us mostly through our own thoughts, mm. which scares a lot of people because they think, well, you don't know my thoughts. Exactly. Well, as you know, from when the soul listens, I think it's very important to identify the committee members that live in your head. I love that. Yep. These these people sabotage your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And some of the primary ones I write about in there, um, especially the picture perfect one, the one who's telling you to always get it right. Mm-hmm. You know what? That is so much me. And that's back to that performance. And so you know it's God because it doesn't sound like you. Oh, have, that's so good. That's so good. I have a member that's a rescuer. You know, I have to rescue the whole world. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm I'm trying to discern about a certain service opportunity, and I've been writing it on my calendar that I will do. I, I, I will. I will. I, and so now I'm finally asking God, Are you telling me that? I need to do something else because I'm like, got enough to do. Uh, so we're having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And to be very um, comfortable with open-ended conversation mm-hmm. that you don't know yet 
because God doesn't tell you more than you can stand to hear at the moment. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's so good. I often, I often laugh. I think there's a committee of angels assigned to me. <laughs> yeah. They're having some meeting. You know? They're having I'm some meeting. Going, one of them's going, don't tell her. She'll never get it. <laughs> and another one's going, well, what if we just tell her a little bit? <laughs> The rest of them are going, well, maybe she could take a little. Okay, let's try. Okay, great children's book. <laughs> Amazing. You know, and yes. I'm like, okay. I can catch on to that vision. They're like, yes. if you only, girl, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And and so one of the questions I, the, the two questions I probably ask God more than anything else. One is what do I need to know now? Oh, man. And it's so good. And I, I work really hard for me. It is a spiritual discipline to live this present moment. Good I'm to hear. coming to the conclusion that the past is not reality because the people in the past, and I remember what they said, they don't remember what they said, mm-hmm. and they don't mean it now, but I'm still dwelling on it, right? Right. Okay. So that's not reality. And the future isn't reality because I really don't know what's going to happen even though I think I do. Right, we sure do. What happened. So I rehearse all these scenarios. You know what? That just makes me crazy. So yeah. what is it I need to know right now? The, yeah. the dilemma that I have in my life with a certain person, God, show me what I need to pray for that person right now. Mm-hmm. If I need to make a phone call or if I need to, whatever it is, would you send me a nudge not an obsession, you know, oh, so good. bugged by it. And it's kind of the same difference between reflecting and muddling. Oh, no. you know, with reflecting, there's hope with muddling. It's like, oh, cynicism, yeah. grabbiness. So to be able to ask God, what do I need to know right now? Mm-hmm. That's a game changer. I, mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Okay. That's a, that's a game changer for me. What and do I need to know right now in this very present moment of this day? Yeah. And I guess the other one is probably similar or the same, but, but I use it a lot as in spiritual direction with directees. What do you think might be your next step? Ah, Because I asked, uh, and I'll ask God, I just need a next step and I don't know what it that is. Mm-hmm. And I have a situation in my life right now where I keep asking God for a next step. And honest, all that comes to me is do nothing. And Yikes. I see this is the case where this none of my committee members would make that one up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they would never say that. And so I have a pretty good idea. This is from God. And now it's like a joke between us where I go, I know, I know do nothing because I'm cooking up this little plan and you're telling yeah. me no do nothing right now there may be a time where you need to do something yes. and I want to be attentive to that mm-hmm. but for right now do nothing and so giving boy that's god, frustrating give god space to speak mm-hmm. which comes to the whole idea of slowness. Yes. Whether we're in oh, a specific goodness. space of prayer or yeah. whether we're 
moving through life, mm-hmm. that there is enough slowness for God to speak, that yeah. I can read a few verses, or I'm even reading someone's book or something, and then I can pause. I am getting to be a really slow reader because I'm starting to do this a lot yeah. more. Yeah, speak. This like, is so good. I'm going, yes. Okay, so that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to know right now? Mm-hmm. And and you don't ever play God on demand. Okay, <gasps> I'm asking. You have to answer right now. Right now, come on. Haba haba. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times when I ask God questions, my my normal routine in life is that I I am with God, I have a time with God, and then I work out. Oh man. You know, that's when the download comes. Yes. It, and you're on your stationary bike and you can't write anything. Nothing. Yeah. That's, I love it. That's so true. In the middle of a spin class, I would just be getting downloads, you know? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. And, and you know why I think God does that to us? Is, <laughs> I want to know. Is that you and I have our heads full of so much stuff. Mm. And again, the committee's going, is she ever going to be on hold? <laughs> oh, she's on hold because, you know, she's she's sweating and, and yeah. her mind's on just getting and, through it. Right. And I've got her, I've got her body in orbit. Yes. And, I, and her mind is a bit free. So must be why I vigilantly exercise. Yes. It must be why. It's when my um, mind does calm down because yes. my body is working so hard. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's good to go for a walk. That's why it's always. Good. Oh, yard work is just best. wonderful. It is the best. You know, because you're you're getting rid of that horrible thing that's growing on your yes. shrub, and then and then you pause, and you know, stuff starts coming to you. Mm-hmm. My community knows that very well. I write a lot about flowers and plants. Yes. <laughs> Nature is my cathedral, as Anne of Green Gables once said. Um, yes. I just, there's nothing makes me come more alive than being with my flowers or being outside, you know, watching the leaves fall, be released from the tree. As I've learned now, they don't actually fall. They de- do detach, but the tree releases them. So cool. Ooh. So cool. Such a great, great um that is picture, you know, it's like, they know if you don't get released now, then we're not going to have enough energy, you know, to go into our basic hibernation. So, and store up more energy for the spring. I just love that. You write this contemplative prayer is prayer in which we still our thoughts, which you have said, you've said all this, but I really wanted just to read from when the soul listens, finding rest and direction for your life is so good. Contemplative prayer is prayer in which we still our thoughts and emotions and focus on God's own self in an unhurried way. That slowness you're talking about. The stillness of contemplative prayer helps make us aware that God is truly with us and allows us to hear when God chooses to nudge, guide, direct, or even challenge us. Contemplative prayer, it's reflective and expansive. That's the word. That's what I'm trying to offer my community and and because I'm offering it to myself, no doubt, but it expands your capacity. It nourishes an expansion in your capacity for more of God. 
That's what I think. And it allows us to set aside our notions, you write, of what we think should happen and open ourselves to receiving God's help in refocusing our thoughts and feelings about life situations. Is that why you titled that chapter, When Prayer Stops Working? Is that Was that part of the reason? Because it just threw your journal across the way. You're like, I'm so sick and tired of all this, and I just want to talk to you, God. Yeah. Okay. You still feel that way, obviously? <laughs> well, prayer... I use that because people, people say funny things. They say, (laughs) oh, the power of prayer Mm. and prayer works and prayer changes things. Well, okay, not exactly. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. Yeah. And prayer is just our way of communicating with them. But because sometimes people put like a magical kind of attitude on prayer Mm -hmm. that I guess... I guess I'm I'm shy of that because the Pharisees were very big on practices, Sabbath keeping, and they yes. tithe from their spice racks and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to put the focus on the practice. I want to put the focus on the, the spirit. I want oh. Jesus to be front and center. We live in a Trinitarian universe. And um You have to say I, that again. I'm sorry, Jan. You want to focus, you've got to say that again. Well, I don't want to focus on prayer or even even Bible reading as accomplishments, but I want to focus on the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit is doing the heavy lifting and Jesus and what he is like mm. and how God is nudging me. Um, I want them to be front and center. Mm. That's life-changing. Really life-changing. I think that's such a paradigm shift because it's still so, there are so many books on prayer, obviously, you know, um, but I think I'm, I am programmed for performance. I've been a performer all my life and I think the church is programmed for performance. I really do in a million ways. And so what I'm hearing is almost a relief it's almost a relief. It's not almost, it really is a relief. Like I'm exhaling inside of my heart and going, taking the pressure off of myself, perhaps. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, here's a metaphor. I think you will, you will get an embrace. So when I was much younger and I'm not sure you would have been in that era, <laughs> there was, I have no idea how old you are actually, by the way, None. book out that was essentially about being the perfect wife. Maybe that's what I read. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It had the word total in it. Okay. Total. Okay. Okay. I was really racking my brain. And and she had all these cool things you should do. Uh I mean, people were just eating up this book like Mm. crazy. Mm. And I got hooked on trying to be the perfect wife. Now, I mean, we do the same thing with parenting books. We do. I wrote one. <laughs> and I re I remember where I think God really impressed upon me to stop trying to be the perfect wife mm. and just love my husband. Oh man. And I oh. know I remember it when I went on a moratorium of parenting books. And I'm not saying they're bad. Oh no, I'm not either. We write books. Very good. 
We write books, Jan. (laughs) Very good. But they became, in my heart, being a good parent was almost keeping me from seeing my kids. So Mm -hmm. I switched everything. Show me the heart of my husband. Show me the heart of my son. And, And I began praying for each of them differently based on what I thought I was seeing in their heart. So um, all of this is the same that we don't, who wants to be the perfect Bible reader, really? (laughs) Perfect prayer. Just that word, just that word, perfect, right? Yeah, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean what we think it means anyway. You know, we know perfect means mature, right? It means spiritual growth. That's what at least Paul meant, maturity, am I right? You know, just meant keep growing, keep keep growing, keep learning, keep yes. moving forward. Right. And, and those Pharisees were very good at all those spiritual practices. They really were. But they did not know God. Hmm. They did not love love justice, do mercy, walk humbly with their God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus really confused them. <laughs> He just messed it all up inside their heads and everybody. It was so, it's still though, I think that's why I just so desperately, desperately wanted to talk to you, Jan, was because it's still so confusing to me anyway. Maybe it's because I'm so performance-based and I'm I'm really trying to shed that in my life and really understand what it means to, you know, just be, I, I wonder if it'll be a lifelong journey for me personally. And I I have a feeling there are many listening that actually feel the same way, you know, but to take, to really just take pause and examine uh, because the pharisaical voice is very loud. It's really, really loud. You have a section in that, uh, in your book, technique takes over I confess I used to love phrases such as prayer is the key that unlocks the storehouses of God's riches. I was hungry for those riches and imagined I could use prayer as a technique to get them. I somehow missed the point that the riches are God's own self. You keep saying that and I love that. Not the advantages I want God to provide. And then you quote one of my other just hero writers, Evelyn Underhill, and she writes, we mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs. to want." to have, to do, craving, clutching, fussing. We are kept in perpetual unrest. My prayers were full of what I wanted, what I thought I should have, and what I wanted God to do, and what I want God to do in the the other people or the other person. It's not surprising when these demanding prayers go unanswered. You know, I had someone that I love dearly, a well-intentioned godly woman say to me the other day, well, have you prayed a mountain moving prayer? Like, have you really invested in a mountain moving prayer? I didn't know what to say. I used to run a children's ministry called Mighty Mountain Movers. You know, I had I'd written songs and curriculum. We are the mighty mountain movers, you know. And I thought, I have prayed. I I have sought the Lord. You know, I felt I def- I started to feeling myself defend myself. Right. Is is it okay that I felt like I don't need to pray a mountain moving prayer. Like I'm just trying to get to the breast down to the bottom of why that kind of like, what was it about that? Do I have to pray a mountain moving prayer for God to move? Well, 
I think um, that's a tough question. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm trying to figure out on in the moment. I would try to be as tactful as possible. But what I would have wanted to get across is that I know the mountain mover, and he's really good. Oh, that's so good, Jan. I got to write that down. Sorry, I'm taking notes and trying to talk to you. This is not good. <laughs> I know the mountain mover. Mm. Thank you. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. He does. And you and I hang out with him a lot. I do. I really like hanging out with him. Yeah. So... I always have, and I, I think hanging out with the Holy Spirit could be a really good article. <laughs> yes. Or a book. <laughs> it sounds so approachable. It's so approachable. I love it. It is. Oh, it, and a- it really is. I mean, ah. it. think about think about this. Until the printing press came about, you had Christians who were steeped in the word, and they did not own a Bible. They didn't. Teach us here, please. He they learned a lot of it by heart, which took some effort, mm-hmm. but they knew how to live in it without I, I just think that's that's a fascinating thing. Oh, I know. I think of I think of Jesus. You know, obviously he was the word, but he was human. And and uh, yes. you know, and so when he went away to his quiet place to realign himself with his father's business he he didn't have any books you know and yeah he wasn't privy to the podcast or to all of the multiplicity of ways that we access um the word these days right so i wonder i wonder i'm just so curious because i do respect you so much if you feel like that is something the holy spirit might be wooing us back to I don't know your thoughts. You don't have to share your thoughts on this global pandemic uh, and what that may have been. What is the spirit saying? But I have felt in this time for me personally, and and maybe even for the body of Christ that he is saying, I want worshipers who spirit, true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. You're not going to need the temple like with the woman at the well when he was speaking to her. You know, I just wonder, do you sense the Holy Spirit is wooing us back. And I just feel such an urgency inside of myself to get into a rhythm where I am spending more time in the presence of God. I have been told that through many wise women for decades and have n- I will do it for a while. And then my performance-basedness, culture, church activities, leadership, seminars on the road, all of those things start to take over and that's what goes. Do you have any thoughts on that or any wisdom to shed upon our hearts? Well, I think that the global pandemic is a result of germs that God is not particularly fond of. Mm. On the other hand. Yeah, I love that. God can redeem anything and is very good at redeeming some of the worst. My own experience with that is that God more easily redeems it when I 
cooperate. And as I was listening to you, I kept grinning because I were grinning. I'm like, oh, I I was grinning because I was going, well, here's one who cooperates. (laughs) (laughs) But for some people, then the pandemic has been something where they have really um, been able to tune in to God like never before. Mm-hmm. And for others, mm. it it has pulled them away because maybe their only way of connecting with God was hearing someone else talk about it and they couldn't go do that anymore. Yes. Yeah. Very disarming and very disorienting. Right. Yes. And, and for some people, it was it was such a redeeming thing because they went out and tried to help people. Mm-hmm. They did. They did it. They did the work of the hands and feet. I know I did. Yeah. I know I did. And, and for others, just um, extremely overcome by fear mm-hmm. and by apathy. Oh, well, mm-hmm. they were old anyway. You know, my mother died of COVID. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Really? Yeah. She was 92. She had lots of conditions, but she, I tell you what, we were, we would joke because we she'll be the one on TV who has, she's fought it. It was early on. So it was three months in, four months in, five months in, want to be accurate. And she, she just was the only one at that time in her assisted living that actually died from it. And, but it was, I, and I couldn't be with her. Like it was just complete quarantine, you know, but God was, I know he met her in a way that he probably met her with, I needed to be out of the way. So I needed to, I needed to be out of the way. I really do feel the Holy Spirit gave me that comfort. Um, We were very, um, we were very enmeshed, but close, but enmeshed as well. So I just wonder, so is he wooing? I think he is always wooing. Always wooing. I knew you were going to say that. No, <laughs> always wooing. There's. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. There's in the new biography memoir that Eugene Peterson's son wrote. He said that every night, and sometimes he was asleep, but it still happened. Sometimes he, his dad thought he was asleep, and sometimes he was awake. His dad would come and let me see if I can get God loves you he's on your side he's coming after you he's relentless he would pray that over his son yeah he would just say that right there in front of him wow that man was something else wasn't he and at school of kingdom living which is the 18 month certificate program that um I'm the chair of Dallas Willard Ministry, so I'm one of the instructors in it. We recently opened a session where that was on the handout, and each person needed to go to three other people and say it. Oh, beautiful practice. You would think that would be rote and kind of um, mechanical. Instead... I mean, we're talking the tall guys who are like really, yeah, yeah. They were in tears. Yes. Because, (laughs) because that is speaking reality. That's healing words, man. That's what we're all about. Can you say it again? So that I I think, Jan, we're going to give a challenge. Okay. I'm going to give a challenge. God loves you. Mm. 
He's on your side. He's coming after you and he's relentless. Okay, Heartlifters, I'm throwing out a challenge. You got to go say that to three people. I'll meet over on all all the places we meet and we'll see how it's going. I love that. And if you feel awkward, say, Mm -hmm. Janelle asked me to do this. It's just one of those things she does. See, then then people can offload it and then they'll receive it, though. The other person will receive it because they'll go, oh, okay. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. The first article I got published in Discipleship Journal was titled, Our Determined and Relentless God. Ah, bet it's in my file. I know it is. What was that like when you, I just want to, I just want to ask as a, on the author side, what was it like when you first saw something you wrote in print, Jan? What was that like? It was almost weird. <laughs> it's like, it's a little what? scary. What? That's my name. <laughs> and then, of course, in the beginning, I would read it and go, oh, they fixed it a bit, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I had <laughs> which, a little touch. Which was good. Mm-hmm. You know, I the way I looked at it is, oh, I'm getting paid and taught at the same time. All right. From the best. Yes. At the best of that time, right. for sure. So, so God really is relentlessly relational. Yes, that's really a big, huge takeaway from today that he is relentlessly relational. And when we hear the pharisaical voices, when we, when the committee, you know, uh, I, I always talk about the negative committee in my head. So I love that you have now given me an angelic committee um, yes. to kind of counter that. Now that's, that's really good. I, that's going to make me laugh. That's going to be, that's going to be fun. That's going to give me some levity. Um, can I just ask one you do not have to answer this question before I get into one more facet of your book, but Dallas Willard, what was that like? What's that like being like, what's the greatest thing you learned from him? You know, we have, I, I have him anyway. I have him and Eugene and you and just up there. And I know you're human. I know you're absolutely human. I'm not, I'm not trying to put that on you at all, but I just, what's the wisest thing or what was the most practical, most spiritual thing? Just the well, best thing. Here's the oddest thing. Oh, I love that. I, I did eight different eulogies for him, and each time I had something different. Oh my god. By the time I got to the last one, I was just like, so here's the deal. This is the smartest man I ever knew. This is the person I knew who was most like Jesus. Wow. This is and I named all these other, you know, the seven other eulogy points, and then I said. But here's the deal. He always had time for me. He had, you know, that's why he didn't turn his books in on time. He always made time for people. The very first time I met him, Mm. I was in line to talk to him. And I was the last person. He never looked around. Really? 
directly at me. Well, that's Jesus, isn't it? He always looked right at the person in front of him. Mm -hmm. And I think it especially hit me hard because I knew he was an introvert, just like me, which means that half the time we're just wondering, how can I get away from all these people? Yes. When am I going to be done? (laughs) Right. And and he, it really has taught me Mm. discipline of welcoming the stranger, of being present to the person in front of me. Because in light of how smart he was mm-hmm. and how wise he was and how well he knew Jesus and all that kind of stuff, but God had really led him to be outside of himself and to really, I mean, we knew he was great at the first part of the commandment, right? Yes. Love God, but he was really good at the second part too. Mm. Yeah, so, that's a big statement. Um, a man of that. A man of that stature, it's just refreshing. It's super refreshing to hear. And it's an admonition to me, for sure, to make time for people. Heartlifters, we're going to stop here today as much as it pains me to take this pause. But Jan is offering us so much to think about, to meditate on, to consider. So I hope that you go back and listen and re-listen and that your heart is enlarged with a deeper understanding and a deeper longing to know God. In her book, When the Soul Listens, she writes that prayer had become in her life a mental chore. She writes, I was not truly interacting with God. Prayer was just my nonstop talking until I got to the end of the list. I longed to know how to connect with God. I also saw that life with God gets bypassed and depersonalized when we assume we can hear God only through other people. That the reason we go to church is to, quote, get fed, end quote. I saw great value in going to church and Bible studies, but wasn't God willing and capable of nurturing me directly? Going to visit God on Sundays and hearing someone else talk about their life with God or what life with God is supposed to be about doesn't satisfy what we're looking for. She writes, I grew more frustrated. My soul felt starved for divine companionship. I also saw that none of this was making much of a difference in my life. I tried to love people, but it wasn't from the heart. I was making it up as I went along. God was impersonal to me, and I was impersonal to others. She just challenges the soul. So I hope that your soul listens this week, that you experience a very personal, personal connection with our one true beautiful God. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairden.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.